Hello there. How are you doing? Welcome along to the podcast. Thank you for hitting on the button. Appreciate your support. Appreciate you being here. Thank you to the sponsors on that note, Bang Nollifson of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Always note that Jason Briggs and his team housed around the corner from me in the picturesque courtyard in the heart of Montpellier, which is um, great, as you could imagine, French-flavoured district of Cheltenham. They are always open to bespoke solutions, as I say in the sort of uh, tagline there, in terms of equipment other than the fine Bangalore and equipment they stock in the store through Serene AV can offer you the, the best, I suppose, plan for you in terms of home entertainment systems, televisual equipment, audio equipment, whatever you're looking for. And check out Bangalore of Cheltenham website, get in touch with Jason Briggs and his team. If you want to look at some of the Bangalore equipment, some great videos on the Instagram account, BNO underscore Cheltenham. Appreciate their support and hope they're enjoying, or Jason Briggs, at least the lead man, is enjoying the, the football being back with his little club, AFC Cheltenham. Uh, playing Bishop's Cleave just to the north of the town here of of Cheltenham. And I know Jason's a big Manchester United fan, but has an eye on Cheltenham Town as well, our local club, which you might be interested in the podcast today with journalist Mark Hallowell as we look back on a wonderful season for Cheltenham, albeit with no fans there as they've qualified automatically for League One for the first time in their history, being promoted. Um, get to that in just a second. But also wanted to note, again, the association of the podcast, which I'm very grateful for, with Cytoplan, food-based supplement company that my family, the Drapers, have been using for 20-plus years. I think it's important to to note that, and I wanted to do the podcast, obviously build it, and great to get sort of sponsors and people on board, but always wanted to, to promote things that I'm believing, and we've taken the supplements for 20 years, don't have a control group, another family who hasn't. So I suppose it's not scientific, but I do feel that it, that it helps just top off and optimize the immunity on the basis or building upon sleep and exercise and diet and all those things that my father has taught us. Uh, Dr. Mark Draper, who is a general practitioner doctor, works as a consultant for Cytoplan for decades now as as well. We do pay for the supplements, which is always important to point out, but he's lectured in, in micronutrition and macronutrition to a certain extent, but he's particularly intrigued by vitamins, multi-minerals, that kind of thing, trace elements in the soil and and so forth. And he believes in very much in the sort of a multivitamin, multivitamin, you might call it, range that Cytoplan offer, particularly the Immune Complete range, which I take the Immune Complete to a couple of uh, those tablets every day in terms of covering vitamin D3, but selenium, zinc, things that may be deplete in UK soil due to industrial agriculture, over-rotation of soil. And it's something that he's looked into a lot in the soil samples. Someone has to, I suppose. But if you would like a discount with Cytoplan, with the association with the podcast, head to cytoplan.co.uk. A whole raft of supplements could be a, a kind of multi-holistic option you're looking at or something more specific. They've got pretty much everything going at cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And the code for a discount is DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one zero and the capital letter R for an ongoing 10% discount. Right, let's get on to Mark Halliwell, who was born and bred in Watford, Watford fan, but he's been a local journalist in this part of the world in southwest England for 30 plus years, I believe, covering Cheltenham Town for a large chunk of that. Currently commentates for BBC Gloucestershire, as he will at the weekend at Wadden Road as Cheltenham celebrate promotion, but also hope to clinch the League Two title for the first time in their history. It's been a historic season. They have been in League One before, but never qualified automatically. 
Um, and it's just tinged with a slight hue of sadness because the fans haven't been able to there to see it. They're only a couple of weeks away from the liberation of, of people being able to attend sports sports events. So it's, the timing's unfortunate in that sense, but no, nonetheless, people will be celebrating and having a beer outdoors in Cheltenham this weekend, I'm sure. Uh, but here he is, uh, Mark Halliwell, just to reflect on a great season, a surreal season, but fantastic achievement from Michael Duff and his team. Mark Halliwell, welcome back to the podcast. Great to speak to you. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Ed. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. Actually, just uh, coming to after a, a late shift last night, but it's um, it's a strange time, isn't it? Because it's been a, a real kind of uproarious time for Cheltenham Town fans. But I suppose for you, and I spoke to John Palmer last week, it's it's still tinged with that sort of surreal aspect, and maybe a little bit of sadness, isn't it, that people can't be there to to witness what is an historic moment or, or couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I think it does take a little bit away from it, to be honest with you. It is it is such a shame. That Carlisle game uh, the other day when Cheltenham got the point they needed to go up, mm. Just I was just imagining it with 7,000 people in that ground, <laughs> roaring their heads off, pitch invasions, <laughs> all of that. I mean, I mean, the scenes in the car park were great. And the players went out into the car park and uh, celebrated with those fans who'd um, gathered outside the ground. I thought they were great, you know, brilliant scenes and absolutely fantastic. But in the ground, I think back to 2016 when Cheltenham won the National League and how we had pitch invasions and fans <laughs> in the bar with the players singing and dancing away. And going back to 99, yeah. the National League again. I mean, I left the ground that 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 day at five a.m. the following Ooh. morning. So, uh, and, and I went straight to work. I wasn't <laughs> the last to leave. So, uh, it's those sort of scenes that it's those sort of scenes that you're going to miss. And uh, if Cheltenham do win the title on on Saturday again, we're going to miss those scenes again. We're gonna, we're not going to have the same feeling of euphoria that uh, that we had in 99 and 2016 and even going back to the early ones in the 80s in 82 and 85 when Cheltenham won league titles as well. Yeah it's funny that that thread of community and, and how people who maybe unexpectedly have, have kept an eye on the team have, have loved the team through the years because I was actually chatting to Vicky Gummersall at work yesterday who's Cheltenham Town born and bred fellow presenter yeah. at Sky Sports News and her mum she was saying has been ecstatic with the the, the promotion, uh, I think her mum's in her late seventies, but she's she's really mm. happy by not to not to try and age Vicky, but she's uh, she's very uh, yeah. excited. But she was saying to Vicky about you know Michael Duff, he scored the winner to get us up into the football league and in, in, in the romance of <laughs> it. And, and Vicky was telling me she remembers going, and I think ending up with with dog poop on her as a kid going to, to Wadden Road when it was all non-league and stuff, and and how it's yeah. changed and developed and how much it means to people. It's because this is I suppose to underscore Mark, as you say, you've been following the team for decades. This is an historic achievement not yeah. unprecedented in getting to league one but the manner yeah. in which they've done it that's the point yeah automatic promotion for the first time as an as an EL club and that's that's the that's the real history of it that's the real um history making thing and again if they finish the job on Saturday and win the title that'd be another first the first EFL championship title for the mm. club as you say we've been in league one before We've only been in it for four seasons and the highest we ever finished was 17th. So, and I was actually looking at some of the teams who were in League One 
today and uh, it's quite mouth-watering some of the teams that Cheltenham will be going to go and visit next season and some of the teams that will be coming to Wadden and that in a way also makes it all the more important we can have fans in the ground because there can be some massive attendances at, uh, at Wadden next season especially yeah. with away fans coming as well I mean if Sunderland stay down for example you know, you're going to have 1,500, 1,800 Sunderland fans you could have Sheffield Wednesday you could yeah. have Derby County you're going you're going to have Ipswich Town I mean massive clubs that Cheltenham never have dreamed that they were going to be playing back in oh. the day when say if Vicky was in watching the Milan League and so was I you know, I was looking the other day at the first the first game I ever saw at Warden Rovers Forest Green Rovers in the FA Cup yeah 1980 September 1980 wow. attendance 300 <laughs> so <laughs> 10 times you, yeah 10 times bigger at least now isn't it the average before ten times, 10 times bigger at least the next season if we're allowed fans and if we're allowed full capacity fans, I think you're going to see quite a few five, six thousand crowds. Yeah. It, it feels sad in a way, doesn't it? Because the Crucible and Sheffield indoors, they've been getting relatively big crowds, mm. almost full capacity. It's, yeah. it's, 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 we know yeah. that crowds are coming. We saw some at the League Cup. It's a shame in a way that they couldn't put this final game against Harrogate back a week and, and try and get some people in there. It is. It is. Uh, I see. Gloucester, I mean, Gloucester Rugby are going to have fans for their last two games ah. of the season, apparently, which is the twenty eighth of May and the fifth of June. Mm. So they're going to be able to have crowds back in for those games, and I think there's going to be crowds on there at the playoff finals. Uh, that's the plan. I think over the Maybank holiday yep. weekend. So it's just the end of the season has just come, as you say, a couple of weeks too early, really. For uh, for supporters to be to be allowed in, which is a massive shame. And I say it would have been great to have a massive party on Saturday. <laughs> the players deserve it as well because they've done outstandingly well in the last uh, all season, and they deserve they deserve that that party and that adulation that they that they would get on Saturday. They deserve all the all the plaudits that, that uh, come in their way. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with you. It's funny you mentioned that because obviously there are some big old clubs in in League Two and have been that that we remember mm. from Premier League days: Bolton, Bradford, mm. Oldham. But I think you're right that there is a t there's yeah. that excitement now because colleagues at work, one of them who's, who's a diehard Sunderland fan, Tom White, and he's he was talking yeah. to me about coming up to yeah. Cheltenham. We have a night out and maybe stay. You know, we'll go to a game. And I've got one of my best friends from university is from Stocksbridge, just north of Sheffield. Big Wednesday fan, so I'm mm -hmm. looking at the table thinking maybe he'll come down for a night. And it's. Um, yeah. It's yeah. interesting, just the, the, the permutations. Actually, it changes it up a little bit, doesn't it? Because well, it is, it is a big, it is a potentially intriguing League One season next year. I looked at it. Uh, I'll go through it here. I've got. I, I did. A, I tweeted out a list earlier on. So definitely, League One. Definitely, Ipswich, Milton Keynes, Gillingham, Doncaster, mm. Accrington, Crewe, Fleetwood, Burton, Shrewsbury, Plymouth, AFC Wimbledon, Wigan. So they're <laughs> yeah. definitely all in. All in League One. Then, yeah. then there's so going for the playoffs are Blackpool, Sunderland, Lincoln, Oxford, Portsmouth, and Charlton. Mm. So one of those is going to go up. Yeah. So the rest of them will be coming this way. Yeah. And then you look Oxford's at the, bottom big, of the yeah. championship. Yeah, Oxford's big. Then if you look at the championship, there's three of Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, and Wickham coming <laughs> this way. Plus the ones, of course, coming up from League Two. The ones who could come up from League Two, but Cambridge, Bolton, Tranmere, Forest Green, Salford, Exeter, who are all Newport, who are all Tranmere, who are all in the uh, 
running for the playoffs. So there's some big teams in there. I mean, Cheltenham have never played Sheffield Wednesday in a competitive wow. game. Uh, played Ipswich apparently in the 1950s in some sort of southern in the in the Southern League, mm. but uh, they've never played. They played Sunderland in the League Cup, so they've, they've played Sunderland before. I think the directors were slightly uh, disappointed that Swindon and Bristol Rovers went down because yeah, there've been a couple of nice a couple of nice local games next season. But if Oxford stay up, that'll be quite a nice quite a nice local game, and. You were, as I said earlier, you'd be looking at things that the vast majority of those are allowed in because they've never been, some of them would never have come to Cheltenham before. So they all want to come to Cheltenham and see this uh, and tick off a new ground. And uh, some of them are going to bring, could bring, if, if allowed, 1,500, 1,800 fans, which is massive money. Mm. Which yeah, last time Cheltenham were in League One, last time Cheltenham were in League One, most of the crowds were 4,000 plus. Mm. So you wow. would, I think you would be looking at that sort of thing as a, on a regular basis, I think, this season. Again, also because of the novelty, almost, of fans being able to go to football. They don't <laughs> want to go. Yeah. I think, yeah. Next season, you, I think next season could see, if allowed, could see a real lift in crowds all over the place with, with fans really wanting, missing it so much that they all go back. Yeah, and almost an opportunity you haven't taken in the past that you may be inclined to take up. But I, I think for the town as well, it's nice to see it opening up. And I, I know the weather was a bit of a dampener over the recent bank holiday weekend for the, the outdoor dining and, and outdoor drinking in, in the town. But I think there's an economic boost there, isn't there, as well? If you get big people coming in, particularly yeah. from farther afield like Sunderland, there may be people staying over for a weekend. Mm. It's it's a different mm. dynamic then for the, the whole economy locally. Yeah, Cheltenham's like that. Uh, you do get a lot of away fans coming who come to games and, and stay over and make a weekend of it. Go and have a look up in, you know, trip up into the Cotswolds. And there's so mm. many nice little places around here that you can make a nice weekend of, especially if it's nice weather and, and vice versa. Cheltenham fans will be thinking, oh, if Blackpool stay down, we can have a nice weekend weekend in Blackpool. I know there's a number of Cheltenham <laughs> fans who have that in the past and, and, and enjoy that sort of thing. And so, uh, yeah, there's there's quite a few places I think. Yeah, the London, if, if, uh, and also some some new grounds. And there's a few new grounds in League One that I haven't been to. Like, I haven't been to Ipswich. I haven't been to uh, Charlton. I haven't been to Wimbledon's new ground. Well, nobody has, I don't think. So uh, <laughs> there's a few there's also a few new grounds to visit, which would be quite nice. Very, yeah, very cool. And it's interesting when you reel off those names, isn't it? Like AFC Wimbledon. I know it's a new incarnation of the team, but mm. we, we talk about Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, mm. recently, relatively recently of the of the Premier League, and then even names like Bradford and Bolton. We've mentioned Wigan, 2013 FA Cup winners. And then don't want to kind of labour the point about the European Super League, Mark, but you're a kind of um, a long historian and a student of the game of football. This is what is magical about it, is that, that dreams can can rise and fall, yeah. can't they? And, and that's the, it's the kind of, the melting pot of, of English football is the is the, the romance of it. Mm, exactly right. And I, I must admit, I get annoyed when I hear, you hear supporters of clubs and, oh, we're too big to be in League Two, or we shouldn't be in League <laughs> Two. What are we doing in League One? Um, <laughs> football's played on the pitch, isn't it? And uh, if your team's not been good enough, then that's what's going to happen to you. And it, it is a bit annoying when it's all... You know, we're going to walk. You see, I mean, Bolton fans were quite. Some Bolton fans were quite. Uh, I don't know if arrogance is the right word, but they thought they were going to absolutely walk League Two, and 
Mm. They haven't done. Um, I think there's probably quite a lot of supporters out there who <laughs> hope they don't come up, if you know what I mean. And yeah. Teach them a bit of humility. And football fans don't always have humility, do they? They're, they're often... No. You want to be you want to be quite brash about your team and so on, but those names as well they also emphasise the size of the challenge that Cheltenham are going to have next season in, in League One. And uh, Michael Michael already sort of said we'll be looking to finish fifth bottom. And mm. while while some might turn around and think, well, that's a bit that's a bit defeatist, but it's there's it also a bit of a bit of realism in there. Do you, do you think he? Do you think he? Do you think he believes that deep down, though, Mark? It's an interesting, one, isn't it? Because he's an no, ambitious guy. So. No, probably not. No, he'll he'll want to he'll want to do a bit better than that. Cheltenham was seventeenth in League One. It's Cheltenham's best ever finish mm. in the football league, and I suspect that'll be that'll be an aim. He'll think, right, okay, can we beat that? Can we be the best? Can, can we get can we get higher than that? And it's a uh, it's, 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 it is it is a difficult one, and uh, I, I hope also that, that most fans are quite realistic about it and uh, and realise that the, the the tough challenge that lies ahead. But that's what you want. You want you want those sorts of challenges. You want your team to to progress yeah. as far as it can and try and and try and uh, take on these so-called big boys. That, that that's what it's all about, and that's where, as you say, that's where the Super League was. Was, was trying to take away from all that. They didn't want. They didn't want Man United to have to go to Burnley on a wet Tuesday, did they? They, <laughs> they wanted to play. They wanted to play Real Madrid every week. And yeah, to, which is weird. You think about to, yeah. Yeah, which is weird. It doesn't quite work out like that, does it? And no. Teams like teams like Cheltenham to be in that position, and and. You say you look at teams like like Wickham going into the championship. Yeah, they they, they gave it all they had and fought for it. We've seen Accrington in League One punching above their weight. We've seen Burton Albion get to the championship. We've seen Yeovil Town get to the championship. Mm. It's, it's it's fantastic, and and that's that is what the game is all about, and that is why the pyramid and the ninety two and and all of that and the system that we have in. English football is so special and so unique and uh, and long may it continue, basically. Yeah, and another yeah, memory of that last night actually at work for Sky News and watching Manchester City reach their first ever Champions League final and thinking that what 24, 25 years ago, whatever it may have been, they could have been playing Cheltenham next season in the third tier of mm. English football. So it shows you and I'm exactly. not saying I'm not saying it's sort of uh, an oil-rich kind of country is going to buy Cheltenham Town anytime soon to, to fuel that no, kind of rise, no. but but nonetheless there is a dream that that lies there. What is the what is your you've watched them week in and week out? What is the secret mm. to Michael to Michael Duff? It's not about tactics. Is it? Is it about humanity? About understanding people? Is that the key to what he's done here? Yeah, spirit really. I think it's mm. the spirit. It's when he says, um, "There's no." I was talking to a couple of the players after the game on Tuesday. Was very, uh, very kindly got we got uh, Pete and I, my BBC colleague, we got invited up into the boardroom after we'd finished all of our work, just to have a little drink. And uh, some of the players were up in there as well, and uh, chatting to a couple of the players and talking to them about the culture mm. at the club, and they were saying. They were saying the culture is there. 
we've set the culture. Anybody who comes into the club has to fit into that culture. Yeah. The culture doesn't change. We've got a way of doing things. Everybody who comes in has to accept that is how things are done. Mm. May that may that be, you know, the standards of professionalism is what is what they were talking about. And they were saying that they haven't had any problems with anybody doing that. And that that that's been ingrained ever since the manager came in. So you're talking that I think you've got the senior pros in that in that squad. So it's people like Luke Varney before uh, when he was here, people like Ben Toza, people like Matty Blair, people like Chris Hussey, Scott Flinders. They're yeah. the ones who have set this culture up. He said, right, this is the way we're going to do it. This is the way we're going to run our dressing room. And anybody who comes in gets into that. If they yeah. don't fit into that, then that's it. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna change the culture to accommodate people. He said there's there's no bad apples in the camp. There's no there's, and, and, and that goes a long way. If you've got if you've got that sort of culture. In, and Michael's said before that he's quite happy to let the players dictate that. Mm. He, he says that they they run their senior players are the ones who run who run the dressing room. But Michael doesn't have favourites, does he? That's is that a part of the the, the key? No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have, uh, have favourites. He's uh, and he's. And he's, he's he's found a system and a way of playing that he that he wants to that he wants to play, and they try and recruit players to uh, to fit into that system. Because all too often you see that managers have managers have a system that they want to play, and then they try and shoehorn the players into that. They think, right, I want to play four four two. I'm going to shoehorn what I've got into four four two, rather than saying, well, actually. These players are more adept, more suited to a four-three-three or a three-five-two or something. So we'll change our system to accommodate what we've got. Too many managers trying to shoehorn, and Cheltenham have had managers like that in the past who've, who've done that. You know, they really want to play a certain system, but they haven't got the tools to do it. Whereas Michael now has thought, right, three-five-two or three-four-three or whatever is the way forward. Mm. So we're going to recruit players around that to suit the system we've got, and that's how it's and that's how it's worked. And Cheltenham have an identity of of of, of playing. Okay, yeah, you may think, oh, teams know how Cheltenham are going to play. Teams know yeah. Cheltenham are going to come up and set up in a three-five-two, so they're going to combat that. Then Cheltenham then back themselves. Michael and his team then back themselves to overcome that, and more often than not, they have done. And and it's. There's resilience as well that's, that's come out. If they've had a bad result, I think Cheltenham have only had back-to-back defeats once all season. Yeah. Which was Bolton at home and Barrow. Bolton at home, Barrow, I think. I think that's right. Mm. So that shows that when they have had a setback, they've recovered from it. And some of the wins... You look back at some of the wins they've had. The win at Carlisle, the win at Cambridge, getting the draw at Bolton going to Harrogate on a tricky pitch and coming away with a win. Those are the results, really, where you'll look back and you think, yeah, that's where that's where the league promotion and hopefully also the, the league 
was one mm. when you sit down. Yeah, you fi fi fine margins, down. isn't it? Yeah, fine margins. Yeah, yeah, you look back and you will look back at missed opportunities. You'll look back at conceding a last minute goal to Bolton at home, conceding a last minute equaliser to Cambridge at home. You look at that and think, oh, well, it could have been, it could have been more comfortable, <laughs> it could have been done easily, but the main thing is it, it got done. Yeah. The main thing is that that, that Cheltenham did. Also, I think that resilience is also shown in, in the way they, they responded to the disappointment of last season, the way they, the way I remember interviewing Will Boyle after mm. that Northampton uh, home defeat. And he was absolutely crestfallen. He was practically in tears after Cheltenham lost that game 3-0 at home. And, yeah. and I think that really stung with everybody. And again, Michael and his staff have ingrained that resilience into them, saying, right, we're not going to have that again. And I think that's been a major factor in 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 what's happened this season. I think the way that they've the, the way that they've responded to what happened last season and used that as a as a massive motivational tool to uh, to achieve what they've uh, they've achieved this season. A lot of yeah. teams could have folded. A lot of teams would have mm. would have just folded up and had a had a policy look at Colchester. They mm. practically they were in the playoffs last season, practically went down. So it can happen. We've seen it a few times, but Michael and his staff have ingrained that resilience into the squad and uh, with a couple of additions to the squad as well in the summer. And uh, here they go off to uh, off to League One, hopefully with a shiny trophy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a horrible. Yeah, you're right. It's that sinking feeling in that second leg against Northampton last season. I was at work watching that on the TV and it was just um, incredible how it had been so confident in the first leg, how it slipped away to rebuild from there is really impressive, especially with the 17th biggest budget in the league. We'll get to, mm. to Harrogate Town, that mm. upcoming game, in, in just a second. So I'd like to mm. get your, your take on that. But it's something that struck me is, I remember Michael Duff said to me on, on the podcast, actually, about how his, his sort of, I think, plan was to recruit within an hour, an hour and a half away. And I know you mentioned Will Boyle, who is mm. now settled in Cheltenham, bought a home, but he's a Yorkshireman, yeah. so he's a little bit further afield. I think his, yeah. his girlfriend's maybe this way now, so that makes it easier. But actually... Yeah. Most of the yeah. people are, are within that. That's just a sort of a commonsensical approach to League Two football, isn't it? Because you've been watching this mm. a while. You know, having people staying who live up north in the week in in, in cheap mm. digs or whatever. It's it's more difficult, isn't it? It makes sense to have people who are who yeah. aren't being uprooted to come in for a one or two year contract. That's right. I think that, and I think that's what helps with people like Liam Serkin. He lives down in Bristol, and you, I think. Uh, he was probably looking around, he probably had offers from all over the place and he thought, well, this place is just a, an hour up the road. Mm. There seems to be a club going in the right direction. I think Chris Husty lives up around the sort of Worcester area. Yeah. So I think that helped when he when he came in. Ben Toza lives over towards Northampton. Again, that's not massively miles away. I, mean, I, know, I know Scott Flinders' family are up in Yorkshire, but I think he mm. spends a lot of time there. I mean, there's there's the clubhouse. I think where people where people stay. I think uh, Ben Toza stays over there a couple of uh, mm. four games and things like that. So, um, yeah, you have. I mean, in the past, we've had players from all over the place. I mean, Neil Grayson when he lived here, when he lives in Chesterfield. Wow, <laughs> and that was all. That was always quite. Was always quite. Yeah, and I think, uh, and I think Trevor Carson, the goalkeeper, I think when he was here, his family were up in sort of Sunderland area. Wow. 
So we have had players from long who've had who've had long distances to uh, travel, but uh, and geography does play a part in recruiting players and signing players. And I know people often don't have it, and but you do get players who are seen as like northern players. Mm. For example, you know, most of their careers are spent in clubs, say, around the Manchester, Yorkshire, in that yeah. belt of, of where you've got about 30 clubs, or, or London players. Yeah. A lot of players who move around in London and the southeast. You get a lot of players who move around in the mid in the West Midlands and, and East Midlands mm. sort of areas. And the same, you get a lot of players who move around down in the sort of where we are in the southwest and, and South Wales uh, areas of the areas of the country so you do you do get geographical players so to speak and that's because they don't want to uproot families and yeah and move can't, around. Can't, can't afford to can they at that level really i don't think no 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 that's it and so you do get that and that does have to play a big part in your in your recruitment i mean i'm sure there's players that children would love to sign who are who are playing say up in yorkshire and, and the northwest mm. but you may not get them because they don't want to uproot their families and come down here. For example, if there's a player released by, say, Huddersfield Town, you think, oh, I might, might have a look at him. And, but he might get an offer from Shelton, but he then might get an offer from Accrington Stanley. So he thinks, oh, well, I'll, I'll go to Accrington <laughs> because it's it's on my doorstep and I don't have to take my kids out of school and move them down here. So yeah. that's how... That's how it works, especially for a one-two-year contract that most of them are getting at, uh, at this level of football. I think when you're somebody like Liam Serkin in, in, in the sort of later stages, maybe of your career, mm. you're not going to want to uproot yourself way up north if you've got kids of eight, nine, ten, eleven who are who are going into. I don't know. If, I don't know about Liam's whether he's got kids or not. To be honest, <laughs> if, you, if you have got kids of if you have got kids of eight, nine, ten, eleven who are coming to an important part of their schooling, you don't want to be shifting them up, uprooting them away from their friends and, and up the country. And yeah. Also, wives have jobs. Their wives have jobs and True. families around as well. It, it all it all goes into the mix. I, I, I think about Harry Pell, who mm. moved to Colchester. I mean, his family are all from Essex, and uh, and and that suited him down to the ground to make that move over to uh, over to Colchester when he did. Yeah, there's a pra pragmatic empathy to the way Michael Duff's approached that. I think it just makes sense. And sometimes we forget that footballers are humans. And like you say, pivoting and, and moving across the country and all the all the costs entailed in that and the, and the challenge of that when you've got a one or two year contract doesn't really make sense. And, and you also maybe don't want to live away from your family for, for long stretches. That makes perfect sense. How big is the game against Harrogate this weekend? And Mark, what do you what's your read on this? Because Michael Duff wants it, doesn't he, this title? Yeah. Yeah, he wants it, and uh, um, I think it would be—it's—it's it's another piece of history for the for the club, and it will be another another league title under their bow. I mean, Cheltenham have won. I mean, I've seen That's four four league titles in forty years. So that tells you how rare it is for. <laughs> A club like Cheltenham to to win a league title. There were a few before that, sort of more local local football back in the in the in the very early part of the twentieth century. But uh, from a in, a in a sort of modern point of view, it doesn't come around very often. And the chance to win a league title and say that you are the champions of 
your respective division is is a big thing. And I'm sure Michael Duff will be saying that to his players. And I'm sure his players know it know it fully that uh, this is a massive opportunity for them and it's in their hands and they can go away with a nice shiny medal and a championship on their on their playing on their playing record, which every player wants, I would think, and for the club itself as well, another another feather in the in the cap for the club. It's it's a good good opponent in a sense, is it? Just glancing at the league table, that Harrogate mm. are not involved in anything serious on the final yeah. day themselves. So if the motivation was with anyone, it's probably with Cheltenham because what you don't want is yeah. a, a team fighting relegation or a team trying to sneak into the playoffs. They've done well, Harrogate. They've done very well. Uh, they've got some. They've got some good. I mean, they're coming off. They've just won the FA Trophy, haven't they? At uh, mm. Wembley, they won that on Monday. Uh, slightly weird that uh, a football league club managed to win the FA Trophy because <laughs> it was last season's final when they last oh, season's yeah. final when they were still um, when they were still an non-league club. Uh, so maybe they, maybe they've been on a five-day bender and they might come to Germany <laughs> with a bit with, with hangovers. That, that'd be quite nice. But uh, no, they've they've done very well and they're a they're a, they're a, they're a tricky side. I didn't, I didn't go to the game last, but. Um, Harrogate earlier in the season, of course, we weren't allowed to go at that time from uh, from a radio point of view. Mm. So I watched it on the uh, on the feed, and uh, they're a they're a tough side to play against. They've got some good players, they've got some experience uh, in their squad, and it depends what their what their mindset is. Whether I'm sure Simon Weaver's not going to tell them to come come down and not try. I'm sure he's going to be telling them to uh, to. Uh, to give it a go, <laughs> and uh, you know it's, uh, it's down to Cheltenham to, uh, to to see to see the job through. And mm. but it nice, won't be a, nice, it won't be a walkover. Nice momentum as well, isn't it? If they get that coming into just mm. psychologically to go to next season, I think as the mm. champions. Mm. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah as well. And and again, it helps with recruitment, doesn't it? Mm. If you can say, "Oh, come and join the League Two champions." To the players that you want to, uh, you want to sign. Otherwise, other than oh, come and come and join the team who finished second in League Two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come and join it. Come and join a team of champions. Then they are. And also for the players, there's the incentive. There's somebody out there. One of those, one of those members of the squad could be remembered forever as the man who scored the goal that won the title. Chris Huss mm-hmm. is going to be remembered now. Yeah. He's the man who, got, who scored the goal to get Cheltenham promoted. But Michael Duff, he's still remembered from yeah. 1999 for scoring that for scoring that goal. So for, for the players there, there's a, there's a there's an incentive there to write yourself into into folklore and to never 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 have to buy a drink in Cheltenham ever again. <laughs> what a goal Alfie it was by Chris. Yeah, what a goal it what was by Chris yeah, Chris Hussey. Fantastic that that free yeah. kick was was great. What, what a way to cap it. Yeah. You got excited yeah, for that one, did brilliant. you, in the commentary? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there was a bit of. Uh, uh, you have to keep it in, Ed. You know, you can't. Mm. Uh, I try not to to be too, uh, you know, just start roaring or something. You hear some <laughs> commentaries and the the, uh, the co-commentator or whoever is roaring their head off when they score. I try not to do that. And, too partisan, yeah. Uh, I just try and keep keep it in, keep it in with a little fist, with a little sort of secret fist pump. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I tried to. I interviewed. I had a chat with Chris Hussey afterwards, and uh, mm. I did say to him he needs to score more. I, he needs to score more goals. So, <laughs> that could one, be. That was his first one. 
was his first one for 50 games. And, oh, wow. Uh, but it was worth the wait. Yeah, yeah. it certainly was. The last, yeah, goal he's... He, the last goal he scored was at Colchester in the last game, the last away game before the before the first lockdown. He scored a, a, a free kick there and Cheltenham won at Colchester. Hopefully that means the yeah, lockdown's over. The that, that's it then. He, he marks the, the pandemic. That's quite an interesting way of looking at it, yeah. He marked the start of it and he, he could mark the end of it. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's, a, just say, there's a chance there for somebody to uh, to make themselves a hero and to uh, write their name into club history. Mm. He hits the ball well as well, has he, doesn't he? I know he, he's got defensive duties to the mm. wing-back, but you'd expect him to score maybe more mm. goals because that left foot is, is very sweet. You would. I mean, he sets a lot up. I think he's, uh, he's up there in the assists, not quite as high as Ben Poser for obvious reasons, but <laughs> uh, he, uh, no, he does hit a good ball, hits a good free kick, and you, you think that when that ball is around the penalty area, you think, okay, go on then, have a go. But he scored four goals. He scored four goals for Cheltenham. Three of them have been free kicks. Yeah. One at, one at Mansfield, one at Colchester, and then that one on uh, Saturday. His other goal was against Swindon from open play. So he scored the. He's that was his fourth goal uh, for us, and uh, they've all been they've all been quite special. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was a it was a great goal that one as as well. What do you think you'll be like on on Saturday if they win the league against Harrogate? Do you, do you think you'll feel because obviously if the crowd was there, there was a pitch invasion that naturally raises your emotions. Is that in your mind though that mm. what it means being in in this community for so long that that will kind of yeah I guess it gets stimulate you anyway. Yeah, it's going to be special. It's going to be special if they win the title on Saturday. It, it will be special, and because of. And you, you also feel that uh, the players will deserve the the credit that they get for doing it. I mean, I've seen people, I've seen people, you know, tell them um, they'll be the worst league to the worst champions ever. I just don't see that attitude. Mm. If you win the if you win the title, you're you're the best team in that division. Yeah, over forty six games. How you've managed to do it? Whether you've won every game one nil, doesn't matter. <laughs> You're the best team in that division. Nobody else has got as many points as you have over the course of a 46-game season. So you deserve all the credit you've got into this season more than ever because it's yeah. been an absolute slog. You've had players, teams playing through Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for almost the whole of the season. And so to, to have done it in this season under these circumstances and with no supporters in the ground to be your, your 12th man, is a terrific achievement because you've managed to motivate yourselves as players throughout that uh, without, with all those handicaps, with no fans, with having to play Saturday, Tuesday, with barely any rest in between games. Michael Duff said that they've barely been able to do any training or, or, or work on things for most of the season because of lack of time, because it's mm. been play a game, recover, play a game, recover, play a game, recover for the vast majority of the of the season. So in, in, in many ways, to have won, if they do win the title, to have done it in this season of all seasons is a bigger achievement than than I think in you would what you would normally call a normal season. Mm. Yeah. So, and, the, and the players deserve to go down in club history uh, as the ones who won previous titles have. I mean, the 2016 team are still you know, mm. revered as champions. The, the 1999 team is still held up in great regard by everybody. And even the players going 
back further than that. So these players, in in years to come, deserve to to have that same credit and that same uh, and that same high regard from from fans and and everybody involved at the club. Absolutely, yeah, well said. I think it's it's quite an achievement, as you say, the nature of the hard fought close draws, the close wins, and also the fact that. I love the competitiveness of just football at that level that you can lose double figures games and, and still win the title mm. shows you just how, how tough right, it is yeah. when teams are duking it out mm. at that level compared to, you know, be unheard of for a Premier League team to, to lose so many games and mm. win it. But it's very oh, much a po- polarised polarised league at the in the top division. We look at it, don't we? We look yeah. at it, don't we? And when Liverpool or Man City or somebody have lost three or four games, so, oh, they're out in the title. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I know, which... Yeah. <laughs> which yeah, which does uh, it does make it sort of like like sort of a little bit premature the, the sort of deciding who's going to win it because you can sort of see it mile off at the moment anyway, particularly when people like City yeah. are getting ninety plus points every yeah. every season. But Watford, good year for Watford, quickly, isn't it? Are they going to keep the manager now? Yes. So, <laughs> is it going to work? Well, well, they haven't changed them for the last half an hour, so uh, no. <laughs> Cisco, 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 Cisco Munoz, yes, and uh, no, he's he's done a fantastic job. To be fair, the um, the previous manager Vladimir Ivic, I think he was seen as a bit cautious, mm. and uh, it was it was a bit sort of defensive minded. I mean, he had a tough job because at the start of the season there were a lot of players out either injured or wanting to move on, mm. uh, so their sort of their heads weren't really weren't really right some of the players early on so he had a tough he had a tough job but uh, I think it was felt that his style of football was a bit too defensively minded and not not to, it was more it was more must not lose football rather than go out and win yeah football. And which, which you need to do in the championship didn't you? The, yeah 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 you, you can't you can't be cautious in the championship and have to try and you have to go out and try and win games at, at, at level. And when Zisco came in, he there was a game at Coventry. I remember watching it on Sky, and uh, Watford were pretty terrible that night. I think it finished nil nil, and they had a bit of a heart heart afterwards. And Zisco changed it to a four three three, and that sort of seems to have been the catalyst for for going on to do what they've done. I think the you look at the team, I mean, Daniel Backman in goal has done very well. Ben Foster got injured and Backman's now kept keeping him out of the team. He's done extremely well. Centre-halves, Francisco Ciaralta and William Trustecon have, have come in and formed a, a really good partnership. You've got a strong midfield with Chalabar, Cleverly, players like mm. that. Will Hughes, tremendous, tremendous yeah. player. And then you've got Saar up front. You know, a forty million pound player playing in the championship, and uh, mm. <laughs> so it all depends now. What can what can they do next season? There is they'll, they'll they'll need to strengthen the squad, obviously, if they can, and, uh, and in certain areas. But uh, I think hopes. I think uh, they should be able to uh, to have a good fist of, of staying mm. up. I think. Yeah, it's really it's and really interesting. Sorry, the manager, he, he's got he's, he's studying for his pro licence. He hasn't got it yet. There were fears that he wouldn't be able to manage in the Premier League because he didn't have it. Mm. But uh, apparently he's, uh, he's, he's he's studying for it. So we'll see how, Good. We'll see how he gets on and how, 
how yeah. long it lasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just don't tend, no. don't, tend, don't tend to last very long. So we'll uh, we'll see how we'll see how much time he's got. Yeah, they like to freshen it up, don't they? In, the, in Watford, they and do. I think it, it's that's, Watford, that's Watford and Norwich going. Yeah, Watford and Norwich going back up is interesting because it's almost. I know Norwich in the last decade mm. have kind of become a yo-yo club, isn't it? It's one season prem, one season yeah. championship. But you think in the long term, you build if you can do that successfully. You do build if you can keep some of the revenue, and as Burnley have done when they've gone down and, and, and developed their trading ground and mm. stuff, it's an interesting tactic. You don't see it as the end of the the world if you get relegated, as long as you've got a plan to get back up. Yeah. But they did well. They, they kept Daniel Parker. They they managed to keep the vast majority of their players. I know they sold Godfrey, and uh, it may well be that they'll have to sell one or two this summer. Max Aarons, maybe Wendia, Todd mm. Campwell. There's going to be clubs wanting players like that. But they've done well to keep the vast majority of those players and. They're probably coming. They're probably coming back up in a stronger place than they, than they were yeah. when they came up the first time. And uh, I think Burnley were quite similar to that. They sort of went down and came back up again a bit stronger. And they managed to, you know, for the, for the for the majority of the time, then sort of stable stabilise themselves in in the Premier League. So yeah, look. it'll be interesting to see what what Norwich do. And I, I do think they'll be coming up in a strong position they deserve a lot of credit for sticking with Daniel Farker because I think many clubs would have would have would have got shot and been ripped mm. up and, and tried to start all over again it just shows the benefit of giving managers time and uh, not not losing patience when they when they lose six or seven games absolutely yeah I really agree with that but it's interesting that there'll always be that that temptation to freshen things up change things up won't they do you fear that Next season, there might be a championship club who looks at Michael Duff. What's your, your take on that? I suppose whether he would, what would appeal to him? It's, he's a very sensible guy, isn't he? I don't think he'd jump into a, a revolving door club. No, I don't think he would. I think he's he's got a lot of people around him giving him good advice. The Sean Dice, Steve Cottrell especially, those two mm. leads on quite heavily. And like you say, I don't think he's going to jump into the first job that comes along I think he'll want to okay he's got a team up from League Two the next thing I think that people will be looking at to say how can he cope with League One how mm -hmm. what can he do at the level above and if I think if Cheltenham are a success at League One level i.e can, can Get a place around sort of mid table ish. Mm. Then I think, then I think you'll think you'll you'll get people from a higher level thinking. Well, maybe he can do it. You look at what the Cowleys did. They they took Lincoln up, yeah, and then stabilised Lincoln in League One, and then they got the opportunity to go to Huddersfield. Oh, that didn't work out for them, but mm. it wasn't the case that oh they got up from League Two, then they made the jump straight yeah. away. Yeah. And, they had to sort of have Sustain a look at how it, yeah. they did in yeah people had a look at how they did in league one and think oh yeah okay well they can do a job at that level okay well let's try them at this level what would I don't you think michael would go from Cheltenham to a league one club for example. i don't yeah. think there would be i don't think there would be any any sort of face face in point for that but i think if he if he takes Cheltenham up and 
stabilizes them in League One, consolidates them in League One, let's just use that, that word, then you might have teams looking at him then. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure the teams looking at him now. Yeah. But don't think he would make that jump. I think he, he I think he also would think, right, can I do it in League One? Can I get this club stabilized, consolidated in League One? Yeah. Because he always and, says he wants to leave the club in a better position than he than he inherited it. And and, and that will be Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a human factor with it, with um, Michael as well. That he's got family here, and his mum and dad come to the games. His brother mm. Shane used to play for Chelsea, right. lives yeah. around here. So I think That's there's right. a community element to it. Yeah. He'd want he'd want to progress yeah. to a to a to a solid job where he could maybe build something as well, but keep his family here. So I think it's it's an interesting. He's dynamic. always said that his he said now that his home is here. Whatever he does in his career, his family will be here, and his family will stay here. So uh, he's he's already said that. So. Uh, He's got, he's got very strong roots to this area. I think most Cheltenham fans and people are are not not silly enough to think that he's going to be here forever and he's mm. going to be the manager for the next 10 years. I think people do realise that he is ambitious and he does want to progress and that he will progress and that the day will come eventually when an opportunity will come along that he can't turn down and thinks, yeah, this is this is the right move for me. And all Cheltenham fans should then say thank you very much, Michael, mm. and uh, all, all the very best. And I'm sure they will, as they did with as they did with Steve Cottrell when he when he did the same in uh, in in 2002. Yeah, there's a Burnley connection with Steve Cottrell as well, isn't there? I just wonder whether yeah. that job might become available for Michael down the line if Sean Dyche ever gets an opportunity to, to try his hand at maybe a slightly quote-unquote bigger club. But we shall we shall see. Quick final thought, Mark, because you um, mm. you, might, you say Cheltenham's your home, you're steeped in covering the club, but you are a Watford boy mm. born and bred. What, what would happen mm. if, you, if Cheltenham played Watford? Have you ever contemplated that one? And I've got friends who are, are Tottenham fans who, who come from Bournemouth who have had to deal with that in the recent past. So it's a, an interesting one, isn't it, if they yeah. have a good pass? No, it's... Uh... It happened. It happened in the League Cup for uh, a few seasons ago when when Cheltenham, I think it was two year, around the year two thousand, I think it was. Mm. So it did happen. Uh, it was a strange, a strange feeling. I remember <laughs> I wrote a piece for the Watford program uh, program about it. it. It was a strange feeling, um, and it's. Uh, I think then it's a, it's a no lose situation. Isn't it? I think. Yeah. It's funny now. I think. I think as I am now, mm. I'd probably want the Cheltenham win. Yeah, the underdog. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think. I think if it if it was to happen again now, I think I'd probably want. I'd probably want the Cheltenham win. I mean, the the second leg of that game was actually on on Sky. Cheltenham mm. drew nil nil. It was a, a two legged league cup tie. Cheltenham drew nil nil at uh, Vicarage Road in the first leg. And, should have won actually. I think Jamie Victory hit the bar, and then in the second leg, Watford won three nil mm. uh, live live on Sky, and it was a it was a it was a good it was a good occasion, and uh, it was a strange one, very strange. And yeah, I'm not sure I'd want it. I'm not <laughs> sure I'd want it to happen on a regular basis. It's okay in a one-off cup tie. No, I'm not sure I'd, I'd 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 want that sort of thing to happen on a regular basis. But if it did. And I think as it is now, I think I'd want the Cheltenham, the Cheltenham win because mm. into a, I haven't watched Watford play live in a stadium for 
probably the best part of five or six years now. So mm. it's a it's a it's it's one of those things where I think Cheltenham now have probably overtaken them. To be honest, yeah, it's it's, it's tricky though because they're those sort of bombastic broadcasts. It's still right? my club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often still my club. I was born there. It's my it's my it's my hometown, and I've still got massive memories of watching them and if I got the chance to go and watch them I would go because I wanted my my son he's 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 almost he, he's a bit the same as me he now he's uh, he's sort of both we sit down and we'll watch we'll watch both teams play and uh, so I'd, I'd love to take him to a game at, at, at Vicarage Road and I'll go back and every opportunity I'd get I'd love to go and, and yeah play, I, I say. But, uh, no it's, it's funny the broad the bro- the bro- yeah yeah the broadcast radio in Durham's always the broadcast radio in Durham's always unequivocal about this. That you can't have two teams, but I think the nature of life and people mm. moving around and and get affiliations. And for your case, covering a team with a no. job week in week out, you do mm. you do develop mm. this affection for it. And I think it's um, and I think you also develop yeah. an affection for low level football because of its simplicity, yeah. it's, its closeness to the community, and the ease of getting into a game. It's a different thing than I know Watford aren't a sort of necessarily established Premier League club, but they're a big club, and I think it's a no. different. It's a different thing to support a club of that stature. It's maybe kind of more romantic at the, the lower levels, isn't it? I mean, it's not a case of being a Cheltenham and a, I mean, I know a lot of Cheltenham and Man United fans, and mm. you, you get people who support Cheltenham and Tottenham mm. follow. But that's, I think that's a bit different because they probably started following Tottenham or United or something when they were, when they were young young kids and then yeah. as they got older they thought yeah. oh, well let's go they'd gone they'd gone along watched Cheltenham and started to get into Cheltenham for me it was the other way around because I started watching Cheltenham <laughs> and then moved to Cheltenham and started watching Cheltenham so but then Cheltenham have, have overtaken more I think it's because I've I've watched them more and it's more it's 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 on my doorstep it's practically what mm. half a mile away from where I'm talking to you now so it's it, it, it's it's the way it is I think uh yeah, I, I I class myself as a Cheltenham supporter and a Cheltenham fan and a Watford follower. <laughs> that's a good that's way. Probably, that's probably how it. It's ever how, how it goes. Yeah, it ever goes evolving. There. When you retire, you're never never quite sure which way you go. But Mark, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Enjoy <laughs> Harrogate at the weekend, and I'm sure lots of people will be listening to your commentary as well on yeah. on BBC Gloucestershire. I mean, a privilege to have your time. Thanks, thank you, thank you again, mate. No problem. Thanks, Ed. Really good to speak to Mark Hallowell. I think in the course of that conversation, his heart just swung, didn't he? He came out as a Cheltenham Town fan. Um, kind of, uh, it's interesting the evolution of that, isn't it? People get very emotional and, and sort of tribalistic about football sometimes. And you can't have two teams. And I'm a Manchester United fan, but have become attached to Cheltenham the eight years living here and always followed them, as I say, for always followed the local teams of growing up. Of, of I saw Worcester City doing well. I covered for a period, Redditch United up the road, the M5 from here and, and kept an eye out for Cheltenham and Gloucester City coming from, from Malvern for my teenage years. I lived there and it's just up the road from here. So always been aware of it, but it's some people get very uh, emotional about that. You can only have one team, but sometimes it's practicality, isn't it? As well, I work on the weekends, live in Cheltenham, very difficult for me to get to Old Trafford as I did. My dad would take us up three, three and a half hour drive, even on weeknights actually to games and be tired at school, but more difficult as life gets more multifaceted and particularly when you do a job that I do, it's covering sport. The downside is it's harder to play and to get to games, whereas it's more easy for me just to pop down to Cheltenham Town, get in five minutes before, 
sample the the wonderful the smell of chips and beer and all that kind of stuff and and enjoy the the sort of local crowd and it, it's um a beautiful scene and, and looking forward to fans getting back there next season for the league one exploits and, and hoping that michael duff stays to to steer them to to some more success next season albeit success realistic to the, the next level up and that gap who knows how big that gap is until you <clears throat> until you try and bridge it so wishing the best of luck in the magic of the football pyramid in england those four tiers and the, the levels below that where you can rise and fall you can see your, your dreams fall apart but you can see them materialize as well that's I think what people didn't like about the mooted european super league wasn't it it kind of takes any hope out of the picture any hope for change and flux which we all need in life that ability to progress possibly danger of regressing can can keep us uh, on point as well but great to get mark hallowell's thoughts bbc gloucestershire commentator this weekend hope it's a great day against harrogate and they can seal the title because it wouldn't be any detriment to harrogate nonetheless they're, they're safe in 16th i believe in the table so all good there and I wish Cambridge United the best of luck in terms of the battle for the title at the weekend. But thank you for Mark Halliwell. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. If you are a Cheltonian and living locally, make sure you mention the podcast to Jason Briggs when you go in looking at his Bang Olufsen equipment in the courtyard in Montpellier. And remember, Cytoplan, if you're looking to optimize your immunity, food-based supplements we've been taking as a family for 20 plus years, still pay for them. I had an order of, I think a discount, but I paid £45 recently. So I'm paying decent money, believe in them. And you can get a, a discount with the code DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one zero and the capital letter R. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you could rate it on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, that would be fantastic. If you want to get in touch with me on social media, follow me, Ed Draper 81 sports broadcaster in the UK, Ed underscore Draper 81 on Instagram, Ed Draper 81 on Twitter. I should say there's a Facebook page as well. I'm not massively active on Facebook, not massively active on social media generally, but appreciate your support. Any feedback, welcome and have a good rest of the week, guys. Thank you and goodbye for now.